0: Okay, officially, Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, if you're like a lot of folks I've seen online, speaking of communities online, uh, there's a lot of New Year's resolutions, uh, most having to do with doing something very productive. And uh, so I I feel pretty powerful the other day of unsubscribing to a lot of those listservs. And has everything to do with what we're going to study this morning a little bit because I've looked at a lot of these uh, community groups or online uh, resolutions and online sites that say, um, you know, here's a way you can lose weight this year, Um, unsubscribe. Uh, Here's a a way that you can uh, be more uh, efficient in a 40 hour work week, you know, unsubscribe to that one too. Uh, And there's a whole host of different things that I saw, things that we actually, in in the context of resolutions, things that we can do better. So how are we all doing with that? And so I think uh, one of the things as we get to uh, our passage this morning, what I want to do is not focus on losing weight traveling more, getting into college, staying in college, graduating from college, hoping to save money for college, take a vacation, paying off debt, getting a new job, applying for a job, finally moving out of mom and dad's homes, and everything else that we've seen online as a resolution. What I did not see was what happens if we actually try to follow Jesus in this new year. So please stand for the reading of God's word.
1: This morning I'll be reading from Matthew 4:19,11:25 through30 and 16:24 through26, Matthew 4:19. And he said to them, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Matthew 11:25 through30. At that time, Jesus declared, "I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and Earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children." Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This is the word of the Lord.
0: Please be seated. And would you pray with me, our Father and our God, we we look at your truth that is not just laced with, but it just flows in a river of grace. And we ask that you would open our eyes and our ears uh, to hear what you would say to us this morning. Uh, forgive the speaker's sins, for they probably are obvious, but we would also um, ask that we would see you high and lifted up and uh, on the page that would you make not only your word come alive, but would you plant seeds for it to stick and do its work on us, in us, and through us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So on social media today, you can follow, friend, unfollow, make groups, leave groups, make lists, keep lists. You can be public, private, chat, ignore, accept, web chat, group chat, Instagram, comment, and the list goes on. I don't even know what half of these are. And we call this social media. So don't miss what just happened. We actually called something social in which we can unfriend, unfollow, unconnect, disconnect, comment, criticize. So let's just be honest. Aren't we just tired of Twitter? Uh, No, I meant, uh, let's move on. Um, Okay, more seriously, how many of you treat the gospel the same way? Or if I wanted to meddle a little bit further, how many of us have tried to treat Jesus the same way? We will follow, maybe we'll not follow, maybe we'll friend him, maybe we will not friend him. And it's all around sort of what he says, isn't it? So... Jesus, forgive me. That's a follow. and that's definitely a friend. Love your enemies. Uh, well, unfollow. That's an unfriend. <laughs> Put Jesus above everyone else. mmm not sure. That might be unfollow, unfriend. Children, honor your parents. That's a definitely follow, because I'm a parent. Those of you who are children are kind of like, well, and we'll move on. Because after all, and here's what I think social media has taught us, we don't want to just be successful, we also want to look successful. Fair enough? We don't want to just be faithful, we want to be seen as it. So we'll throw, and I have um, a lot for people to see online in public and so I believe um, the great theologian Paul McCartney and the Beatles had a point and I'll just read from the song so you'll get it really quickly Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been waits at the window wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door who is it for All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Social media was made for connections, right? But if we're honest with ourselves and as a new year dawns and as we look at things we would like to do this year, don't we often grab the face that we keep in the jar by the door and put it on for different reasons? Don't we have one face for church and another one for work? and then another one for family and another one for friends and then we put a bunch of them online but we put another one that we will have maybe on the weekend and then another face for the work week and we put all these faces as we, we some will call them masks and some will call them what the Beatles call them it's just a something that we wear that we put on before we leave the house so that we can be seen the way we want to be seen. So hold that in one hand, and in the other hand, a couple of weeks ago, this New York Times article from December 21st, 2017, I'll just quote it directly, quote, anxiety disorders are the most common condition in psychiatry, said Dr. Naomi Simon, professor of psychiatry at the NYU School of Medicine, director of the Anxiety and Complicated Grief Program. Uh, I'm getting anxious trying to read this. The um, Anxiety and Complicated Grief Program at NYU Langone Health. Some 40 million people age 18 or older in the United States, or 18% of the population will suffer from an anxiety disorder each year, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. Aren't we kind of anxious that there is an Anxiety and Depression Association of America? In the course of a lifetime, this rate goes up to 28.8% of the American public. Dr. David Rosmarin, the founder and director of the Center for Anxiety, and an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, added, we've seen a massive increase in the services needed in New York City in the last six months. From North Korea to hurricanes, we live with a greater degree of uncertainty, the doctor said. What it boils down to is this. How much can people tolerate it, and here's the clicker, when they don't know what's going to happen next? How much can we tolerate not knowing what comes next? So here we get to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to draw a line through Matthew. Uh, I appreciate just the endurance of having to go through. We almost read the entire Gospel but we're going to draw a line through what it means to follow Jesus. So I'm not going to unpack just sort of one verse like we would sort of maybe look at it. The exposition is a little bit different this morning in the sense that we're going to draw a thread through the entire gospel and what it means to follow Jesus. And quite simply, the reason we're going to do it is Jesus only says three times in the entire gospel of Matthew, follow me. So it made it rather easy. The other fourth time in the entire Gospels is actually in John 12, where he says, you cannot serve me if you don't follow me. But otherwise, he doesn't actually tell us often to follow me. But it's sort of basic, right? In grade school we learned how to play follow the leader. And it was a little bit, oh, what's the word? Nuts, right? So it depended on who the leader was, and the whole idea was you were going to just follow the leader around the room. And you know you get the smart Alec that would try to zig and zag, or then they would try to do something a little bit weird. And you had to keep up, and you had to just, but it's sort of basic. You didn't actually have to explain the game. And then on the verge of, again, another new year, I still get, and I see this online, sort of a kick out of seeing people go, well, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Follow the leader, follow Jesus. And I think sometimes we make it not just a little bit complicated, we make it something that it actually isn't. So let's look at what it actually is. Let's go to Matthew chapter four and verse nineteen. We'll start with eighteen, just sort of see the flow of things. While walking, this is Jesus, by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And it keeps going. He went through all Galilee, teaching in his synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God, healing diseases and every affliction among the people, so his faith... His fame spread throughout all Syria. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, and those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, after he healed them, and great crowds followed him." Here's the thing, and this was always bothered me about this passage, and maybe it will bother you as soon as I say it. Where are they going? Am I the only type A I have to know where I'm going person in this passage? Like, I'm assuming there was some more information, but seems to be just "follow me." And the text says, "They did. I mean, this violates all stranger danger, this violates all the things that we've talked about, and the sense that Jesus simply just says, "Follow me and... They did. Where are they going? I mean, how many of you have a GPS in your car? I have a GPS in my car. I like the GPS in our car, particularly when we're going to places that we don't know well or are not familiar with. But never in the history of our GPS has the lady come on here and says, in one mile, please turn left. And I have no idea where that takes you. <laughs> in two miles, figure it out (laughs) but they followed him and here's the thing that sort of starts to meddle with us the itinerary or the route that Jesus is going to take us on is not near as important as Jesus and that bothers us doesn't it what's this new year gonna be like we have no idea I can no more tell you who's going to wake up tomorrow morning than I can tell you what New Year's resolutions you're going to succeed at this year. I can tell you Jesus actually just says, follow me. And they do. And because the Bible is the Bible and God's word must be taken seriously, we actually have what we're supposed to know. If Jesus says, follow me, we're supposed to follow him. It doesn't say, follow me, and here's the itinerary. He hands out the map, and he says, this is what we're going to do for the next three and a half years. It doesn't actually say it. He asks us to simply follow. And if Jesus is truly smarter than us, it's actually far more important that we are with Jesus than that we agree with the route. And be honest with me, how many of you actually got into arguments about routes that you had to take with your significant other? Right? Now, now that's uncomfortable, so, so I mean, you can't even raise your hand on that one, can you? <laughs> but, Jesus just simply says, follow me. David Powlison writes this, quote, one of the most important things we could ever learn is the significance of small growth, small steps in the right direction. 1 John 3:2 gives us a pithy description of our growth process. We are not yet what we will become, but when we see the Lord face to face, we will be like him. In other words, the Christian life now is not about reaching our destination. The Christian life now is about heading in the right direction. And that is both comforting, as well as not a lot of information. And we live in an information age, and we are used to actually looking up things and getting more information, but the text doesn't give us more information. Jesus comes to him and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So it's an actual invitation as well to something better. He's, I see that you are fishermen, or I see that you're an accountant, or I see that you're a professor, I see that you're a student, I see that you are a good worker, follow me, and I will actually invite you to something better because that's what the gospel does. The gospel doesn't invite us to something easier, it invites us to something better. We all thought we signed up for something easier because we call it good news. No. We signed up for something better. And actually that's the best news. But the gospel is not also just a summary, it's actually a person. Notice again, the text, follow, me. He didn't say, follow the creed. He didn't say, follow this theological concept. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And as we, you know, his crowd s- start to follow him, we get to the end of the Pericope, and he says, great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. There's well, a lot of people following him now. But that's how it starts. It's an invitation to something better, and there was hope that something was going to improve, and we all actually follow Jesus on that premise. Most of us didn't sign up and say, You know, it'd be really great if I followed Jesus and my life got worse. No one signs up for that. But we know something about the person that is calling, and the invitation from Jesus matters. That's actually the distinction in it all. It isn't Everybody continued to follow him. So as we follow this thread, first it's an invitation to something better and it's an invitation to follow not knowing where we're going. We only know who's calling and who we're going with. We're we on the same page? We don't know where we're going, but we do know who we're with at this point so now let's go over to matthew chapter 11 and we pick it up at verse 25 and it tells us a little bit more about who this guy is that we're going with at that time jesus declared i thank you father lord of heaven and earth you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children yes father for such was your gracious will all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows this And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here's the second thing that we're gonna learn, is the first thing is that the invitation is to something better. Not clear where we're going. The second imitation is that following Jesus is going to invite us to redefine our priorities. So look at what is actually assumed in here and when we go to the next thing of come to me or follow me. Verse 28, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. What we know also about following Jesus that he just told us is it's going to get hard. Between 4 and 11 we get to what following Jesus means is It's better, but it's hard, why? Because we need rest. He's assuming that we're heavy laden, and the work is work. And so we get then to verse 29, and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon upon you and learn from me. So he says, not just now, it's not just a following, but it's a connection, it's a with relationship. So presupposing that we get weary, and tired, and wore out, there is implied conflict. There are heavy burdens. And so, taking a different yoke means something. And he says, "It is burden is light, or his yoke is easy. Now, if you read this the first time, it doesn't seem easy, does it? Otherwise, why would we need a break? It says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't that sound like something like parents kind of say? Like, this is going to hurt me more than you. And you're like, no, not really. Or doesn't it say like, because I told you so? Or something like, how is it easy and light? If you already told us that we have to learn it, because we don't understand it or don't know it, and it's heavy laden. And the whole word... Doesn't the word burden sounds like what exactly it is? It's a burden. And I think a lot of us think that we're just taking stuff off, and that's actually lightening the load, but that's not what it says. If that were the case, then who actually is taking, who's doing the work? It's actually us again. Plus let me give you just a very concrete illustration because I get the chance to travel every so often, and maybe you've had this experience as well. So if you're in the line at the airport at TSA, and they actually give you the opportunity to lighten your load a bit. They allow you to take off some of your burdens. So the last time I went, they let me take off. It seemed like most of what I was wearing And my computer and my tablet and anything else they decided to throw in the bin. I was just one person and I had five separate bins. It was embarrassing because I thought I had packed well. Note to self. And we get in there and they're like, take this off, and you take this off, and you take this off, and you go through and then you screen it. It did not feel like my burdens were getting lighter as we were going through this process. That is. I think, though, a very popular image as to what it means to have a lighter burden. We just think we have to go somewhere and we have to just get rid of the stuff. And we have to unload stuff either onto Jesus or someone else because we don't want to carry it anymore. But look what he says. Come to me. Again, there's that follow me thing again. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. What's the first thing you need? The first thing is not to unload anything. In fact, he's not saying, hey, I know that the life is hard and it works out. I just want you to empty your pockets. I want you to do what you need to do to lighten up. Here, here's a lemonade. Put your feet up. That's not at all what he's saying. What's the very first thing you need to do? You need to figure out where Jesus is and stay there. Or, Similar to what we talked about in the very first passage, stay when he says, "Follow me," like don't wander off. Easier said than done. And again, let's be careful lest the, we uh, come up with all sorts of things that we want to try harder, do harder, work harder, be harder. Again, not the point. Look at it again. Come to me, Jesus. All who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Didn't that seem like about, I don't know, a a completely foreign concept about a month ago? Rest, rest. You're like, it's Christmas. Who rests at Christmas? I will give you rest. Take my yoke, this connection, right? Take my yoke, doesn't mean he's gone. This is why I, I belabor the point a little bit with TSA in all seriousness it isn't like we're giving burdens and then walking away he's saying take my yoke let's be connected on this upon you learn from me you're going to have to learn this This isn't gonna come naturally and for I am gentle and lowly in heart meaning I'm not impatient I'm not gonna blow up at you I'm not gonna tell you to get their act together why can't you get this You know all that sort of thing right and you will find again here's a word again rest for your souls Why? Because his yoke, once he's connected to you, is easy and his burden is light. How can that possibly be true? How can his yoke be light and easy? The simple answer is, he's doing all the work. but he's doing the work with us, connected to us. I like how Eugene Peterson translates this text. He says, quote, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly the Father has given me all these things to do and say, this is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone who's willing to listen. If you're tired, worn out, burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So what if your life in this new year was characterized by unforced rhythms of grace? I think that actually is a really good picture of what it means to have a burden that is both light and easy. It's unforced, rhythmic, but the rhythm is grace. So if your version of Christianity is a forced set of rules, work harder, try harder, be good, don't be bad, be with good people, don't be with bad people, your will burn out on religion and rules. You just will, because Following them, and you know this, in and of themselves does very little. Have you ever been really satisfied about going the speed limit? <laughs> really? Isn't that following the rules though? Aren't you like, I set the cruise right at 65. Do you ever really feel good about that? Don't you feel like that just is... Ugh, I mean, you, know, you feel almost less than human. You're like, this machine was not built for 65 miles an hour. But you're following the rules. What does an unforced rhythm of grace feel like and look like? Well, I mean, you can't have it if you're not with Jesus. Let's at least get that clear, and that's what the text is clear on. This doesn't happen you by yourself, this doesn't happen you without Jesus. It just isn't there. yeah we're invited then to not just a rhythm of a new way of doing things it actually then becomes a rhythm of life there is a music to it that's the beauty of sort of the image there is a soundtrack to it it feels different perhaps that's the test if you're really 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 trying hard to be like jesus and really 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 trying hard to follow jesus and and really doesn't that even sound forced And that's, but that's what all of these productivity emails that we're getting and all of these online sites about being more productive and resolved and everything in the new year about, isn't it? Isn't it try harder, be harder? You should follow Jesus harder this year than you did last year. And you should try harder. Why? Because your Bible reading plan already says that you're behind. And it's January 7th. I mean, aren't we like that? And we're like, no way, man, it's Sunday. I'm going to read like four days today and I'm going to catch up. And then you're going well and then um, come on people I mean is that really what following Jesus is is to try hard and when you feel bad about trying hard then you work harder and then when you work harder and you get closer and you do the right thing so I'm gonna go to church more read my Bible more pray more and then everybody else just shut up I got to read my Bible (laughs) and does that sound like unforced rhythms of grace but does that sound like anything that's attractive to anyone else? But if we're honest, we do that. That's exactly what we do with these mental things. If I can actually end the day on a good note, or if I can get up in a good mood, or if I can, and then it gets, I, I can do better, try harder, be more, I can do this. If Jesus seems far away, I'll go find him, and, we'll, and all of these things. And what he's saying in this passage is, cut it out, come to me and rest. Why? Because then Jesus does the work. And he'll tell you to relax. Take a break. He will tell you that it does not matter if you knocked it out of the park today or you completely blew it. His love hasn't actually changed for you. So that's The second part, in the sense that he is actually inviting us not just to rest and to redefine what that means and priorities and what does our effort mean. He's also inviting us to something better, and that leads us to the third point. Following Jesus invites us ultimately to sacrificial love. And we're like, well, that sounds great on the receiving end, but look what the passage says. We're at Matthew 16 now in verse 24. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, again, this follow me, third time, but it's also the last time he says follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him or her deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who he will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in, in his kingdom. Now, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Oh, we've heard this a bunch of times, it might be even on a magnet or a bumper sticker, and we're like, what does this mean? But let's go off of what the other two follow me's meant. First, it's an invitation to something better. Secondly, it's an invitation to rest, but also redefine what your day-to-day looks like. Unforced rhythm of grace can now be the rhythm of your life. And then finally, it leads to sacrificial love. Finally, we get to find out where all this is headed. It's headed to sacrificial love, and we're like, yay, that makes it all better, right? that's really hard. So now when we get to the first part where he says, now follow me, and we dropped everything and we started following him, this is not what we had in mind. It says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, if anybody of you is going to follow me, this would have been a nice first call, wouldn't it? It would have been nice to know information ahead of time. So, like said, because we ought actually understand what the cross is. He says, "Deny yourself, take up your cross." And they're like, "Whoa, wait! We wouldn't have dropped our nets that quickly on this verse. We would have dropped them, you know, healing all the diseases. Very cool. We're with you again. Remember, friend, unfollow. This is one of those things that we were going to struggle with. You know, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it." Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? I don't even have to explain that last verse, do I? If I gave you everything you ever wanted and you lost your soul, we don't have to explain that. What we have to land on a little bit is the sacrificial love part. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me. I'm saying it's sacrificial love because we're actually we're not saying, he didn't have a bunch of li, like literal crosses sitting around and he wasn't just handing them out, you know, cross for you and cross for you and cross, no cross for you and cross for you and he's not, that's I think what we think is going on in nonsense. So we, we pick up, what I think a lot of people do is, we just released burdens. now we have to pick it up again. Because we're going to go, now I'm gonna, it's the ultimate burden. How do I live such a way that I'm going to show now that I'm committed to death? Tell death do us part. And Jesus says, and again, this is Peterson's translation, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. But again, both parts are important. Let him lead, yes, but he is with us. So, there we have to not miss that. With us, he leads. With us, he leads. With us, he leads. That's not how we view leadership all the time, is it? We view leaders of, let's go back to, follow this even, what we get ingrained when we're young follow the leader. Tell me where he's going and see if I can keep up. With us, he leads. And this goes to a big macro theme throughout the Gospel of Matthew. Remember what they said they were going to call this little baby boy when he was born. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. With us, he's going to lead us. He's not going to say, hey, I come on, catch up, do harder. Harder work, try harder, work harder. That's not at all what the image is. With us, he leads. In this new year, the Gospel says that the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus is real, and that this good news dares to not only be historical fact, but dares to be the guide of a life well lived. With Jesus, we will learn how to live a life that at its core has sacrificial love flowing all through it. So if you want to say, well, am I following Jesus? Here's your litmus test. Have you given anything up in such a way that demonstrates the love of Christ. And you're like, well, try harder, be harder, now I need to go and give and this is where people walk away dejected, right? Oh, this is hard. And in this final Jesus isn't saying self-denial is what he did. Sacrificial love is actually what he is about all the time. It's not a one time event. It's again unforced rhythms of grace. And I'm convinced it's why 1 Corinthians 13 says that there is faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these of love. Why? Because it's the only one that God does. God doesn't need faith. He's God. He doesn't need hope. I hope he knows what's going on. But he loves. So the greatest of those three is the one that God does. It's why John's gospel tells us the greater love has no one than this, that he, lays, he or she lays down their life for their friends. So we see that follow me is the work, is that your view of work and the world will change. Come to me because we all want unforced rhythms of grace and we get tired and we worn out. And then finally follow him because sacrificial love changes everything and you know it. Deep down you know and you remember. When I tell you who's that person that loves you the most, it's probably the one that with you, with you, you went through something, and with us he leads. Let me give you an illustration and a quote, and then we will try to practice this the rest of the week. Here's the illustration. So when I was a kid, and by kid I mean five and under, I did not like thunderstorms much. So I would even announce it to my parents. I'd tiptoe into the room and I'd say, Mommy, Daddy, it's storming. Like they needed to hear that um, because it was the middle of the night and I of course was waking them up. But I didn't actually say it like that. It was like, mommy, daddy, it's torment outside. What was I looking for in that moment? A weather update? An explanation on what was going on? They're like, well, you know, it's passing and there's only a 30% chance that it gets worse. No. Here's what my parents did. They lifted up the blanket, said nothing. I dove in. Everything was better. Not only do I want to commend that is what prayer is like, but I also want to commend that sometimes that's what following Jesus is, where he says nothing, lets you dive in, notice that the storms didn't stop, the rain didn't stop, the wind didn't stop, the house still felt like it was gonna collapse, but everything was better. Because mom and dad were there. With us he leads. Jesus wants us to come to him, understands that it's going to be exhausting, but he with us will lead. Scholar Tom Wright puts it this way, we are invited to be transformed by the voice itself, the word of the gospel, the word which declares that evil has been judged, that the world has been put to right, that earth and heaven are joined forever and that new creation has begun. We are called to become people who can speak and live and paint and sing that word so that those who have heard its echoes can come and lend a hand in the larger project. That is the opportunity that stands before us as individuals, as Redeemer Church, as gift and possibility, Christian holiness is not, as some people often imagine, a matter of denying something good. It is about growing up and grasping something even better. Made for spirituality, we wallow in introspection. Made for joy, we settle for pleasure. Made for justice, we clamor for vengeance. Made for relationship, we we insist on our own way. Made for beauty, we are satisfied with sentiment. But new creation has already begun. The sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to leave behind in the tomb of Jesus Christ all that belongs to the brokenness and incompleteness of the present world. It is time in the power of the Spirit to take up our proper role, our fully human role as agents, heralds, stewards of the new day that is dawning. That quite simply is what it means to be Christian. It is this, to follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which he has thrown open before us. You are born again. You are new creation. You are part of a new community. You will be part of a new heaven and a new earth. You are with the one person in heaven and at earth who is making all things new, who will never leave you, who will never forsake you, who is with you to the very end of the age. The end of the Gospel of Matthew says this, Surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. So as you go, as you leave today, and as you walk this world, nothing is the same. Happy New Year. You are not the same person you were. You were dead, you were alive. You were away from God, but now you will never be away from God. With us, he leads. Where is he leading us? You don't need to know the route. You need to know this. He is making all things new. Everything on heaven and earth is under his authority. His word is true. Surely, it's worth the trip. But you are a new creation invited into a new and living hope. Jesus says he knows you by name. You are his friends. If someone comes up and says, what is it like to follow Jesus, it's not work harder, try harder. It's all new. You can tell them if it's anything, it's new. So Happy New Year. Glad that you are a new creation. Glad that you have been born again. We are into a new and living hope. We have been invited into a word that shows us something new every day. Redeemer Church, this year is about following someone, being with someone, who leads as he is with us and whispers the whole time in that still, small voice, I am making all things new. Starting with your own heart, But it ends with heaven and earth never being the same. Let's pray. Our Father and our God,